This is The Unexpected Gurus. So, Bhavna, I think we have our mutual friend, Suraj, to thank for introducing me first to uh, Sam Rappaport, who is our guest for today. Sam is someone who I call a new friend who feels like an old friend. I'm telling you, the second that I had my first standalone call with him many, many months back when I met him through Suraj, it felt like I had known him my entire life. And I promise that's exactly how you're going to feel when you're talking to him today. Sam is an incredible human being. He is so genuine, he's so pure, and he is someone who does things because it's the right thing to do. He has no ulterior motive. He doesn't do it for the fame or for the perspective. He does it purely because he knows that's what he should be doing. He's such a good, good human being. And he's funny and he's charming and he'll crack you up with everything that he says. He's um, very passionate about volunteerism and making an impact in the world. Currently, he's volunteering with an organization in Atlanta called Food for Lives. He cares so deeply about our environment. He loves trees and he knows everything about trees. I'm telling you, this guy is like a tree encyclopedia. He is someone who just cares very deeply and he cares for the right reason to care, which is that you just should. The very simple reason of you care because you just should. And he's wonderful. So I'm looking forward to pulling his chair up to the table because I have a feeling he's going to impart both of us with some wisdom that is much, much needed given everything that's going on in the world right now. Yeah, I am really excited for a change in perspective. I would love to have a breath of fresh air through conversation. And I'm really glad that you brought Sam here to talk with us today. So I can't wait. Alrighty, everyone. I am so excited to introduce you guys to a new friend who feels like an old friend. His name is Sam Rappaport. He's one of the nicest, coolest, warm, friendly people I've ever met. He has talked to me in this kind of capacity in the past before. I'm so glad that he's willing to come back for the 2.0 version. I just send him text messages being like, want to be interviewed? And he's like, yes, I'm down. I'm ready. And that's just so telling of his personality. So Bob's I'm so glad we have Sam here. Sam, you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, um, if you were an interviewer recruiter, I would tell you that I am a uh, graduate student at Georgia Tech in the Space Systems Design Lab, uh, searching for a full-time position. But I, I am also a human being, or, you know, really big fan of the outdoors and passionate about, I think just like energy and creativity. Yeah, also I do uh, a lot with the nonprofit here uh, in Atlanta called Food for Lives. And between all those things is where most of my day goes most days. I'd also like to note that as we're speaking to Sam, we're doing this over Zoom, he is currently outside in nature with giant trees around him, which is just so telling of his personality. So when he says he loves nature, he really is one with nature. He's not lying. Not at all. Not at all. Do you want to, Bhavna, you want to go into rapid fire with it? Yeah, so we've been working through rapid fire towards the end uh, of a lot of our guests' recordings. 
And we think that because Sam is so vivacious, he's just ready to jump in. So we may do something fun and like have random rapid fire. Um, and Sam's Sam's down for it. So we'll bring it. We'll get started with our first round of rapid fire, and then we'll go from there. All right, ready? Ready. Okay, three, two, one. Favorite season? Fall. What's the most fun thing you've done at 2 a.m.? Oh, uh, about to go to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> you have the ability to ban one fruit from existence. What? Which is it? Bananas have caused so many ethical problems. <laughs> I agree. Um, I'm sorry, I'm laughing so much. Um, what would the title of your autobiography be? Uh, God, that kid tried. Um, what was the last song that was stuck in your head? This isn't going to resonate with any audience, uh, but there's a Tyler Childs album that just came out, which is just like Southern Appalachian fiddling. So that exists. I love Tyler Childs. Oh, I thought it was the All right, we're good. Listening. We're in. I was about to say, Mamata's arms are flailing. Please recognize <laughs> her. She's into it. I'm like, huh? <laughs> okay. Mom, should we keep going on the next five, two? Rapid fire, or do we pause? I say we pause and surprise him throughout the episode, which I also want to note was totally <laughs> Sam's idea. Yeah, we're gonna no, do no, they have to think I'm good at improvising. They can't know that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I could not hold it together. All of your answers were, like, tickling me. I just can't deal. So I'll behave myself next time. I tr I'll try, at least. <laughs> so. so, Sam, you gave us a quick intro about yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about what you would consider to be your story with I guess your passion for things outdoors and maybe where your career is leading to you and kind of how this all intersects. I think my story is, you know, fairly conventional in the sense of, you know, upper middle class privileged child going out into the world. But I, in like middle school, I had no friends. Uh, and I went outside hiking like with my family once. And then my one friend from, from middle school was like in the Boy Scout troop. So I joined it and then, you know, uh, of course, the very first time I ever uh, went on a trip, uh, we were going mountain biking and I had my like crappy little Walmart bike and I'm like turning around like as we're going downhill to like tell my friend how cool we are. And I slam into a tree that is like this wide, it is like two inches wide, like you cannot hit it if you tried. Uh, and my bike frame, I swear, was like 90 degrees sideways. Um, but it was a good day and I came back uh, and I think I've been... Yeah, I think very interested in the outdoor sense. And I think that's progressed, you know, in college into more like a little bit more, not the science, hard science, but more like naturalism and like really understanding local ecology and like uh, trees have become a recent past of mine of just like, you know, understanding trees and like being able to identify them and like uh, all the stuff in the local ecosystem. Uh, yeah, so it's been really great. And now I am uh, the president of the Georgia Tech Trailblazers. Uh, and we just do a lot of local like service projects in little parks uh, and, you know, naturalist education and stuff and, you know, big trips outdoors. So it's been it's been a good time to get here. I just have to say, I like visualized that whole Walmart bike story. Like that was incredible because I'm like accident prone and bike accidents are like a big thing. So I don't really know how to ride a bike anymore. So I'll have to figure it out. And then we can go like on a bike and, you know, I guess crash the bike or whatever. But um, <laughs> a second thing I wanted to say, and it's like very, very superficial. And when Mamata originally was like, oh, I'm so jealous about you sitting in the trees. I'm like on a deep, deep spiritual level jealous because... 
I moved to Houston about two years ago, and mm. there's not a tree in sight here. No, so don't tell me that. I might so be moving hard. to Houston. It's any so hard. Year. Wait. Oh uh -oh. no. Uh oh. Oh no. Sam, we're gonna have to talk offline. Um, <laughs> but I was at home in Alabama for I guess a week or so, and my mm -hmm. sister-in-law was driving me around, and my face was like glued <laughs> to the window, and I was just staring. And she's like, "Is everything okay?" And I was like, "It's the, the trees. They're beautiful." So like, I, oh, I think that hurts. had someone told me two years ago, three years ago, that like one of my newfound requirements for a location to live in is greenery and trees. I'd be like, wow, you're an old lady. But like, it's, it's so essential. I think there's something about like, not just the trees and the greenery, but I think like the change in nature, the like life that it brings, I feel really like, this is sad, but like it feels empty without trees around here in Houston. I can drive for four hours and go to, or three hours and go to Austin and try for trees, but it's just not the same. If you walk outside, it's like, here's one palm tree that I was able to pull from Galveston and like put in the concrete. Like that's what we're doing here in Houston. So I admire your passion for trees because you found the passion for trees before you were lost, before the trees were removed from your life. I also wanna know, echoing all of this, but also your love for trees came from what could have been a really negative story. You crashed into a tree. And for most people, like I, got shoved into a pool when I was eight years old and I hate swimming because of that. Theoretically, you could hate anything related to nature because of that incident and yet it's something that you've loved and embraced. And I think what's metaphorically really cool about that and perhaps I'm going too deep is always finding the beauty in every single moment and looking at everything with love and an acceptance of it and wanting to support it and care for it. And not looking at those things as an obstacle, but rather something that also exists along with us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you ever, if you really think about it, though, it's like, is there any time in your life where you're more connected to a tree than like a large amount of kinetic energy? And like, it just, you know, sure. there's a connection that you can't, you can't mess with. That's making me think about how I want to approach obstacles in my life. There is a saying in our meditation practice, which is that miseries are divine blessings. And I have a tendency of looking at those obstacles, those heavy things in my way as something really, really bad that I'm never going to overcome. And as something that is hindering me from being my best self, or just like, why is this happening to me? Or why is this thing existing in order to stop me from being happy and satisfied? And I'm trying to reverse that and instead look at those more negative situations, less as negative and more as something that I can embrace and have as a part of my environment to help me grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think on, I was joking, but I, I convinced myself I'm serious. It's like, you know, the things that are, that like really impact you and like the stuff that, you know, even is negative or like is very unpleasant in the moment. Like those are things and events that you're really, really connected with. I was a, my very first internship, like I moved to Connecticut. It was the very first time I was ever like alone. The very first time I lived on my own. The very first time I went to work and went to an office and then drove home. And it's like, I remember just feeling like at so many times, like this incredible isolation. But I think with that, it came it, like there were so many moments that were just so powerful because you're in this like vulnerable, like difficult state, like you're just more open to, you know, the little small kindnesses and the small beauties. So I guess that's a really great segue into 
where we're at in the world right now, I don't think anybody expected 2020 to turn out the way that it has. Everyone is very much in isolation, one, physically because of the pandemic. We can't interact with people as much as we'd like to. But two, on a more emotional level, the physical distancing that's been happening has made it really challenging for people to feel connected to one another. We can talk on the phone, we can do Zoom chats like this, but it's not the same as physically being in the presence of other people. And I guess I just wanna know, how are you doing? Yeah, I think I've been so lucky throughout this of one, you know, I got things to do of school still going one way or another, which has been, I wouldn't say a comfort, but has been a stabilizing force. I think I've had it not too difficult uh, just by nature of like, is having a significant other. It's like, it, you know, in an ideal world when there's not a pandemic, like you balance your time between a lot of people and you spend your time physically with a lot of people. But if a pandemic says the rules are you have to concentrate the amount of like time you get with people to the minimum amount of people, then like, you know, a, a romantic relationship is a very easy concentrator of that. So that has definitely helped a lot. I, I think the rest of it is, I mean, I'm, this is my sixth year uh, at Georgia Tech. So most of my friends, you know, have graduated and moved away. And like I, and like, you know, through that, through as well as just moving around a bunch for like internships and stuff, I think I've just gotten very accustomed to like keeping my relationships alive through usually like phone calls and things like that. Um, so I think I happen to be accidentally pretty well equipped to handle it because uh, if most of the people I, you know, I spend my time with are already over the phone, well then it's not too much of a change. I'm really glad that you're doing okay. I really am. And um, my question is, and, and this may have been, you know, Mamata's introduction uh, of you to me, but then also like what I'm seeing in, from you, Sam, is you're able to take a lot of these like challenging moments, whether it's crashing into a tree and then being a tree enthusiast or making the best out of what you've got. Um, in the time of like an emotional stressor, there's COVID and, and you know, I guess race, race relations are really sticky right now, um, but you're able to keep your support system close and keep moving forward. Um, so what are some things apart from, you know, like having that support system that you talked about that makes you feel less jaded about the world and makes you feel like you can keep going um, and working towards what you wanna to work towards? Honestly, probably like everyone else, but I've had a lot of difficulty with that over the past few months, um, especially just like as dynamics change of like, you know, whether it's the nonprofit I work in at Food for Lives of, you know, obviously the pandemic has thrown everything for a loop. So it's like we used to go out, you know, every Saturday and it was a huge big event and like a ton of people come to cook, you know, cook a bunch of food and then go downtown and like uh, serve people experiencing, you know, housing and food insecurity downtown in Atlanta. I was this really joyous event and it was stressful because I usually was the one like leading and managing it, but it was this very like well-defined standard thing to go about. And then a pandemic comes and you have to change your operations completely. Um, so I think just, just having that change and, and having a lot uh, like the, what you can do and what you should do and how to go about it becomes a lot more muddy and murky. I think is one just obviously like a source of stress and conflict um, as well as like now everything you do, there's this optimization scheme of like how to balance, you know, it's like, you know, it may be yeah, like seeing my parents is valuable and it's something they really need or like my parents, especially same thing with their parents. Like my grandparents have been locked in their apartment for the past six months. I'm like, that's not fun. So it's like, it's playing all these games of, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm a systems engineer and like optimization, all this, but it's like, it's playing all these different 
weights and balances it, the pandemic just makes these completely arbitrary constraints of new rules of like now it is not okay to go to a concert or to hang out with people but you can just go outside and like walk around a bit so it's it's just like it's a whole new rules on like what you can and should do but yeah I, I think I've definitely had a hard time like keeping energy and like in a lot of different spaces you know school is school it keeps going six years in I've gotten used to that I guess 22 god years in I gotten used to that but yeah other than that especially you know with like social movement and stuff it's like I've only like you know within the past like year or two or three like really become much more aware of like social change and like social movements and like really getting involved or trying to get involved um I think I had the same relationship with like volunteering you know for many years of my life I'm like volunteering is important and like helping the world is important um but I never really like put the pedal to the metal and like put you know the hours that like actually aligned like my time spent with my priorities on that until you know food for lives came around and I had a buddy who like helped out there and he dragged me one Saturday and I came the next Saturday and you know half a year later you're kind of you're running the place here and there yeah so that I think a lot of it's just like opportunity but yeah so I, I think I felt the same thing with like you know like going you know it's like going to a protest it's like I think this is important and like I I really believe in this cause and like want to support in the best way but also I'm scared for health reasons I'm scared for other reasons so it's like there's always a mental game to play of like how much of you're no matter what decision you make like how much where the the justification of your decision really is like is it really out of oh I think I really think this is the the best way to go about it or how much of it is fear or you know fear of the unknown or change or like leaving your comfort zone versus like this is a wise decision and I can accept that um whether that's you know going to a protest or staying home whether for me personally that's doing something really cool and interesting or like empowering as a job when I when I graduate this year working in you know just a general nine to five engineering job and like I've come to my own conclusions and for now I'm going towards the comfort side uh, and I think that's okay. I can justify it. I mean, I could justify anything, but I, I believe this justification. I think it's something definitely to continuously struggle with and just admit that I struggle with it. Everyone else struggles with it and we're still going to do something all day and go home. And then, you know, we can look at how that feels and see what do we want to do tomorrow. I really loved that approach and perspective because I think for many of us who are in our twenties, who are millennials, who are, trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives and trying to figure out what's going to provide them with the most comfort, we have a tendency to overstress ourselves out and overcomplicate it, which is totally understandable. We have a lot of options that are presented to us. The world is a very unique, very weird place right now. And there are so many things that we're trying to fix and change and manage and do, especially as young adults. We just want to make a difference in the world. And it shows in the way that we step up for a lot of these movements that are happening right now, whether it be Black Lives Matters, whether it be figuring out ways to make sure we're getting out there and vote, anything truly, self-compassion movement, the Me Too movement, whatever it is, the force that often drives it is the young people. And yet there's still the reality of we have to pay the bills. We have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. And I always want to know how can I make sure that I'm caring for myself and doing what I need to do for myself, but still making sure that I'm doing good in the world. And whatever platform I utilize, whether it be my voice or my words or stuff like this, where we have conversations with people to show camaraderie and unity to ensure that we are all on the same page and we're all working toward that goal of unity and doing some sort of good in the world. How am I making sure that all of those pieces are balanced without overflowing and overstressing myself? 
I guess I want to know from you how you've been trying to find balance in all of that. I mean, you kind of just shared that you're at peace with the fact that you are going to struggle as you figure out all these things for yourself and for your life as you plan for next steps. But how are you finding that motivation between, or sorry, that balance between motivation and obligation? Yeah. And it is, I think it's something I've been struggling hugely with lately. Cause you know, back in the day before the pandemic, you know, life was perfect. Life was simple. There was nothing wrong. Uh, but you know, I spent probably 10 or 20 hours a week at Food for Labs every week. Like every Saturday I was there pretty much all day. And like, that's what the expectation was. That's what I wanted to do. Like, it's not a decision every week of like, do I do this? It's just like, if people expect me there, like I'll do it and I enjoy it. Like, that's easy. That's clear. Now, I mean, other things have changed, but partially it's just like, you know, the job description is so much muddier. Like what I can be doing or should be doing or need to be doing is so much less clear. Even if you're not doing anything, like it's so much less exhausting. It's so much more exhausting. Um, so I, I think I've definitely struggled with that, uh, you know, in comparison to say like trailblazers of just like, you know, taking kids outside and like doing some some local events and like parks around here, which like we can still do, just throw a mask on and like there's pretty much no problem with that. And like that has been so energizing and like I have loved that and adored that. And that, you know, that is a source of energy and like excitement uh, instead of, you know, maybe a source of like emotional drain or like feeling of obligation or that I'm not meeting expectations. I think it's it's the same whether that's volunteering, whether that's uh, I don't know self care or that's you know exercise or things like that. Like it's it's a really hard line to draw of like how much is like how much do you trust to like passion of like if if I don't know you're excited about writing and I say like oh I'm gonna write you know whenever I'm inspired and I'm gonna write a lot. I don't know I've read from enough authors. It's like that's not how that works. Like you sit down at your desk from eight to ten a.m. and you write some stuff every day. And that's how you become a writer. So I wonder how much of that applies to other stuff. Um, say like, you know, whether that's, you know, social change or whether that's, you know, volunteering and things like that. Uh, because if you only do it when you're excited about it, you're probably not going to do it that often. And you're not going to maybe do that much, especially in, in things that we've seen right now. I mean, like Black Lives Matter and like all the stuff that has been going on, you know, has been going on for decades and decades. Now it is huge. Now we are excited about it. Now it is blowing up on Instagram and every social media page. But like a year from now, it might still be there. You know, the energy will be out of it. The people who are like, this is terrible. I need to go outside my house and do something about it right now. That energy may not be there. Things still need to move forward. You know, policies still need to be changed. Like instead of, you know, put a week into this one summer, once in your life, you know, an hour, however that looks like, but you know, an hour or two, a week, a day, like that is how change comes about. Yeah, I don't know. I've spent a lot of years in engineering and barely any in liberal arts. So I don't know theories of social change, but I know enough buzzwords to pass like I can. So I, yeah, I think it's, I, I guess it's a question of like, how do you sustain energy in the long run? And obviously a core of that is self-care, but I don't know. I, and like, I've struggled personally with my relationship with Food for Lives right now. Like one of my best friends who's there, who got me in there, like, He's told me, you know, he, he works there, you know, not 24 seven, but he works there full time now. Like that's a different life when, you know, it's your work and you go home or your work and you never go home because it's what you do all your life. And it's definitely a hard balance. He's told me, you know, like sometimes like he got tired of it. He just like disappeared off the map for a few weeks at a time. And then he came back and was ready for it. It's, it's a hard question. It comes back to, I think, to like the justification question of like, what, what is, you know, if you, if I sit there and like slog it through and don't enjoy it and, and, you know, just start resenting whatever I'm doing, like that's probably not helping my relationship with it or helping me sustain it in the long term. But also if I just quit it because I'm not interested in that moment and then I, it slips my mind and I never pick it up, maybe that's not doing anything in the long term either. 
it's somewhere I think in in the spectrum of like you know self-care and like forgiveness and just allowing yourself to fail or just say I'm really not feeling it today I'm not going to do it today that's okay and somewhere in self-discipline saying maybe not feeling it today but like you care about this and you know you will care about it and you are confident this is important to you so you need to do it today anyway it's I think it's some mix of both and where where that is where I am I'm not sure right now well, I loved your answer. It was so beautifully said, and I think you tied it into some things that we're all struggling with right now. Like we really, really care about making a difference right now. And we really, really cared in June. We were posting on social media and we we're trying to figure out what to do. And, and by the time we're in October, we're like, oh shoot, I just watched the presidential debate. Now I'm all fired up again. What happened? What was the, how can we, I guess maybe not find a, a huge trough and instead just find a little bit of a wave in like we're in and out a lot. We're still committing to things over a long term instead of wholesale jumping in, diving in and then retreating. So I loved your answer so much. Um, and I hate to do this, but it's time for random rapid fire. <laughs> bring it. Okay. Ready? Boring. Three, two, one. One, you can transport yourself anywhere in any time period. Where do you go? Oh, uh, I want to be a fruit merchant in 1400 uh, Italy. Okay. Name a word that starts with X. Xavier's xylophone. Two. Great. Who run the world? Girls. What? That's the only right answer. What's the most random fact about trees that you know? Oh, there's so many good ones. Uh, the inside of a tree is like, in a lot of definitions, dead. It's really interesting. Like the only like really, really alive part is like this little strip. So that it's a ring, right? Everyone's seen like the rings on a tree. So they're, they're essentially, I'm simplifying it, but essentially there's like an outer ring that's like basically on the outside. And that is pretty much the only thing that's alive. So like imagine your skin, like your skin isn't actually alive. Like you can scrape it off and get some skin cells, but like there's some layer under that. If you scrape too, like it will hurt, it will bleed, and like that's what's making your skin. So it's the same thing with the tree of like there, except for it's, it's on both sides. So one produces outward, and that's what you see as the bark, and the other produces inward, which is like the which is what makes the new layer of the tree every year, which is why there's ring. Nice. I learned something. I feel like I'm out there with like the background trees in you. Okay, sorry. Um, I gotta have one more question. Okay, ready? What Ooh. is your proudest accomplishment? Uh, I think all the relationships I have. That just filled my heart. No, that's such a kind answer. That was awesome. That um, rapid fire took us from like, uh, well, we were like on a level and then we went up somewhere and then came back to like a nice happy soft spot. So a full range of emotions. Um, but yeah, Mamata, do you have any questions to ask Sam since I derailed us? So lovely. <laughs> I don't know. I think we've been consistently on the rails and it's just taking different twists and turns. Um, Sam, I want to know a little bit more about Food for Lives. How did you get involved with it? And tell us more about this organization, why it's close to your heart and how it's operating now in the pandemic. It's been going for, I think, bordering on three years now. Uh, it started uh, essentially because uh, some dude who, you know, is the founder now, uh, just, you know, saw a lot of like students at Georgia Tech in need, like some of them homeless. And he just like started, I don't know, selling some food 
and like getting them housing and getting and getting them something to eat every day. And then it grew into this thing, which now we have, you know, this enormous facility that's like a big warehouse, just like, you know, two miles west in Atlanta. Um, and yeah, my friend uh, Powell actually got me into it. Funny enough, we were a Boy Scout. We were on, uh, we were leadership on a Boy Scout camp back in like high school. And like, I didn't remember him. He remembered me. I did not remember him. Uh, we bumped into each other because he, he ended up going to tech and transferred here. Uh, but yeah, we bumped into each other at the yoga club. Uh, which happens to be tied with Food for Lives because it's just a wild place. Uh, and, you know, he got me to come one Saturday and like, it was fun. I liked the people. It was like very, it just had like this vibrant energy of like people are really there to like, to like care about other people. It's more so, you know, just like making a bunch of plates and like giving food out, like the real soul of it and the energy of it and like the core of it is, I think this experience of service and realizing that like we are getting as much as we give and whether that's our relationships with other volunteers, whether that's relationships with the people we serve, it's just a way to just be human with other people. Um, so that I think was really powerful. And I came back the next week and the week after, and then, you know, I see one thing that I wanted, you know, started needing doing, started doing it. And like, it's also just, it was this, this space of such powerful agency uh, of, it was just so, freewheeling isn't the right word but it's just like if you see something you want done if you see something you're passionate about like you have the agency to do it like here are the resources here are some people that might be interested like go do it uh which is so empowering you know especially as a college student like you like you're entrusting me like i can do whatever i want like that's just a wild thought compared to you know maybe a, a similar organization that I, I don't know like cooks food in a church or like meals on wheels or something like it's wonderful it's powerful it's important but they're not going to show you to the back room and be like, hey, you know, start whatever program you want. Like, that doesn't happen. And I think it takes this, like, small businessy. It makes it sound so corporate. But, like, there, there is this agency and empowerment in a small organization of, like, you can just pick up whatever projects you think are important and run with it and find other people that are passionate about it. So that's what got me there. Uh, and then, you know, started, you know, as you know, the little Boy Scout leader and me like started seeing like some needs and leadership and like, you know, we started having like little weekly meetings and like, I think that, you know, and just kind of ran as a project manager and like, that's just been really nice to just like help keep things flow a little smoother um, without, you know, having any of the big expectations or like big names or titles to anything. It's just like, I'm just a dude who goes there and helps with some stuff. And like some weeks I, you know, run the place all week and I'm super stressed. Some weeks I don't show up and like things work all the same. They may not work smoothly every day, but they still run. When COVID happened, like it, it was really difficult because at first, you know, we shut down completely because our entire operation is, you know, completely against public health at that point. Uh, and then a few weeks later, we, we started brainstorming different ways. So instead of having, you know, 20, 30 people come to the kitchen once a week and we cook a bunch of me cook a bunch of food and deliver it in person, uh, we started to have people cooking in their own homes and we pick it up. You know, everyone's like wearing masks and gloves. And then we, we distribute that food into to-go boxes. And then we go downtown and just hand out the to-go boxes. It's a little less human connection, but I think, you know, that's the necessary price to do any service at all right now. Yeah, I think that's been really powerful instead of and it's been a huge change because we were operating, you know, once a week before March and now we're operating every single day for the past probably like over 180 days now. It's been really empowering just like for us to be able to step up and accomplish that. Um, and it's it has been stressful. It has been, I think, a lot of, you know, X inducing for a lot of different things. But I think it's been really rewarding in a lot of senses to just like see us change into something and, you know, how we're going to look post pandemic. I don't know. I have no idea. And that's just something we're going to have to figure out when it comes to it. I, I love this story of Food for Lives. And I think your 
earlier explanation about using your systems engineer brain to like reset in terms of this is a different paradigm, let's switch up the rules. And I think that was probably really helpful in this moment for you to switch gears and figure out how to still make this happen because this is something you care about. This is something you want to continue doing, um, especially during this time. So I loved that switch that that took place. And I was thinking about how, especially right now with everything going on, it's hard for us to switch and keep everything still on the rails. You know, we were just talking about getting derailed, but, um, and I know we talked about before having like self-care to keep us balanced. Um, is there something that just seems to be off the rails entirely for you? And it's a big problem in the world that's, that just weighs on you and doesn't seem to be fixed or tweaked with a little bit of a change. And what are some ways uh, and solutions that you and people that you know are putting into place, implementing to solve some of these issues? I have a long list. Um, but I think, yeah, I think we've seen so much in the past, you know, half year, whether and like so much come to like front to life of, you know, whether that's like public misinformation and like, you know, technology and our social media, which we lean so much on and like an order of magnitude more. In, in pandemic times, like for information, for human connection. And like, I think a lot of the negative things that can cause, whether that's, I don't want to get you know too deep, but you know, whether that, whether that's like uh, information about misinformation about elections and about politics, or whether that's, you know, mass shootings or things like that. Like there's a lot of harmful things that yet we can't disconnect. We can't turn it off because that's how we live our life right now. Yeah, I, I think it's just been like the systemic issues. Like we have seen with, you know, it's like, again, I don't, I don't want to, we don't have to go too far into it, but like with the killing of Breonna Taylor, like, you know, the, the, all, all the dudes except for one just got acquitted. And like, it's not because, you know, that judge specifically was racist or one specific group was racist. That's because the system worked as intended and the system was not intended to work the way we want it currently to work. Um, and that's a really difficult thing. Cause right now there's a huge amount of energy and like, I'm forgetting the city right now, but uh, the you know the city council said, uh, you know it's like do you, we are, we agree defund the police, and that was a unanimous like we are defunding the police. And I was just reading an article you know a few days ago of, you know they ran they ran into a huge bunch of roadblocks because that's not how legislation works, and that's not how like the slow grinding gears of you know bureaucracy, government, whatever positive or negative connotation, but change doesn't change doesn't always happen with slams of like you know huge surges of energy and like it can it could and hopefully i think i think this energy will be sustained at some level like i think on social consciousness obviously like i don't think you know black lives matter or similar movements i don't think they're going to just fall out again and we're going to forget uh, i think it's going to be definitely ingrained from now on um and i think there will be change um i would like that change to be soon but there's a realistic chance it might, you know, be a year or two, five, ten years from now before like any real large policy happens. So I think it's the same, you know, with like climate change. Of like one of my best friends, you know, is, is a does like climate activism and, and stuff um, related in that regard. And like we do need big movements. We do need like big energies of social change, of like power and and like display for people to really like get it in their heads that like this is a huge problem and we need to change it. And it's it's a hard balance to fight like because there's this you know on the, on the side of like just conservative ideology in general it's just like there's you know a slow change towards the right way to do things and as long as it's slow as long as it's careful we're going to do it right and then there's this energy right now and there's energy that's always been here of we need things are terrible right now like we need to change them drastically and 
this new system will hopefully work. Both of those have a lot of problems. The French Revolution did not have a lasting positive outcome. Um, so th there's, there's somewhere in between of things need to happen. They need to happen largely and they need to happen fast, but they also need to be thought through. And that's draining because you don't want to do this for 10 years. I don't want, you know, no one wants to, to you know, grind out and like argue policy and try to get small things done for 20 years. Like, I don't want that. I want to be done next Tuesday, but I don't think we will be. I lost the focus of the question, but that's what I'm feeling right now. I don't know. <laughs> No, I totally see where you're going with that. So don't feel like you lost the focus. I think you encompassed everything that we were asking. It's, I don't know how we deal with this sometimes. I don't know how we deal with the number of different issues that we've got going on in the world. I think you do a great, great job of staying positive. And I think that positive mindset helps us to push forward and stay motivated and keep the momentum going. But there's a lot going on. And at yeah. some point, I can feel overwhelming. And to, to off turn it a little bit, I think not the solution, but I think at least what I see is like some of the just the way to get through the day to day and hopefully the way to long term change is is the small things like is taking out five, 10, you know, university students to a local park and having them learn a little bit of nature and be like, oh, this is kind of cool. That's not, you know, putting a carbon tax in place tomorrow, but that is, I think, creating a spirit of, of like care and like, about, like, how do you make people care is the fundamental question we have been trying to ask and answer and solve for the past 2000 years, but more, you know, the past six months, the past two weeks, like that is an eternal question. And I think it is about personal connection, whether that's, you know, like one volunteer having a really positive experience at Food for Lives and like maybe never coming back again, but maybe 10 years from now, you know, they have an opportunity to do something good and like the, you know, that influenced them in some way, like that's great. Or, you know, that someone learned about trees yesterday and like they don't come back and they never do anything with nature, but like, you know, they take their kids to the park a little more than they would like it's something and I think something is all we can do I love that everything you're saying just resonates it's not good to stay stagnant it's not good to stay in that negative headspace you've got to keep doing anything no matter how small or big that is that being said we're going to interrupt this heavy part of the conversation with another round of random rapid fire Again, bring it. <laughs> Okay, are you ready? Always. What's a word that fills you with joy? Uh, happy. One karaoke song for the rest of your life. Which song is it? I'm regretting this, but hey, hey, we're, we're the monkeys is coming to mind. <laughs> what is one talent that you wish you had that you don't have? Ah, uh, acoustic guitar. Greatest candy ever created. I like Reese's a lot. Oh my God, me too. And finally, early mornings or late nights? Early morning. God bless. Sam, you've given us a lot uh, to think about and you've given us more than anything. Mamatha and I entered this conversation with a little bit of a wavery headspace because we were feeling kind of beaten down after yesterday, uh, after watching the debate. And we kind of felt like there's so much more that we need to be doing, but we can't do more. I don't know, like there's, there's some sort of, we're being either held back or what we're doing isn't making a difference. But I think after speaking with you, Sam, I really feel like each and every action, each and everything that we do does count and it does make a difference. And if I try to go and, and you know, plug my nose and deep dive, then I'm going to end up hurting myself and not being able to be in it for the long haul. So each and every day, consistent action is what I'm taking away from 
everything that you've shared, and maybe I'm reflecting a little too early on my conversation with Sam because usually we reflect at the end, but I honestly feel like everything you gave to us, your your experiences, what you've worked through in the past six months, especially, and you know the things that you still commit to and change the way you commit to them or change how you approach them while still staying committed, all of that is so relevant to a lot of people who are probably listening, but especially to us. So thank you for giving us so much of your time and hanging out with us and being subjected to a random rapid fire. This was incredible. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. So speaking to Sam, of course, <laughs> you already heard me. I got into my reflection a little early, just because he was so great. And I feel like a different person after talking to him than when you and I started recording this because I feel like I have a little bit more exuberance, a little bit more energy to say, all right, let's attack this. Like no matter how many times we've been at it and if we don't see as much progress as we want, that doesn't mean that what we're doing doesn't make a difference. And um, I really feel like just because you're closer to your 30s doesn't mean you need to have a jaded approach to life. You need to have a realistic approach of, I'm going to put in this much effort and this is what I can do today and I'm doing a good thing and let's be happy about it. And kind of give yourself a moment to step back and do things for yourself then. Yeah, totally. I also feel so much brighter after talking to him. I To be totally transparent, we were walking into this conversation and I was exhausted, whether it be because we have a thousand and one things we got to get done, yesterday's debate, whatever it is. But I appreciate Sam for a couple of reasons. One, his mindset is so positive. He's like, this sucks. Okay, we'll figure it out. Take small steps to be able to fix this, just kind of like what you were saying. It doesn't have to be anything big or overt in order to make a change or in order to make a transformation, but those little things, even in those moments of self-care or reaching out to someone or just doing the research on an issue that's really bothering you and weighing on you, those are the things that help to maintain that forward mindset. So I really appreciated his positivity. And I also just love the fact that he's had so many situations in his life that I would look at as, oh my God, this was a mistake I made, or oh, this is really negative. And he's like, I'm just gonna embrace it. And that takes on such a spiritual perspective to me because it's less about looking at the negative moments as negative moments or obstacles and more about appreciating them for what they are. They're not good or bad, they just are and they're formative and they really help you to grow and develop into who you're supposed to be. And he is someone who I think is really just organically evolved into that. And you can tell that he means it from the depths of his heart to just be like that. Yeah, I really find him to be so wise. And I, I love the point that he brought up that you, you know, are now saying like, this is that guru moment for you of like looking at an obstacle or not, or some situation and instead of turning away from it, incorporating it as part of your life and it's it is it just is and um i know this is silly with him like as a little kid running into the tree and all that but i feel like for me 
And I think this is a lot of people. It goes back to that question about how do you make people care? And it's usually when it's personal to them. And so even going back to the example about trees, like I didn't really care that much about trees until I lost the trees, you know? And Sam is kind of one of those people who challenge me to look at things that I've got in my life and really value them for what they are and, and, and wrap my arms around it and say like, this is part of my experience and I love it and I'm going to commit to it before it goes away. You don't have to commit to something and yearn for something and love it once it's gone. I think it's about taking a moment to reflect and say, this is what I have right now and I'm so, so grateful for it and I'm going to put it, I'm going to go all in on it. Absolutely. That was amazing. I feel like I just drank sunshine after talking to him. I know. I don't think I've laughed that hard on care like on a recording in so long that was so great that was exactly what we needed thank you mamata for bringing sam into our lives into this conversation i know i took a whole lot out of it we got to thank sewerage sewerage sagal the reason that sam rapaport exists in my universe so all roads lead back to sewerage who if he's listening to this i'm finally giving you some credit You've been listening to The Unexpected Gurus, hosted and produced by Bhavna Krishna Ramesh and Mamata Venkat. A huge shout out to the incredible Brian Jones for the beautiful theme music and all of the audio support. And thank you to you, all of our listeners. Subscribe to receive updates on new episodes and content. You can find our episodes on Spotify, Google Podcast, and also on our website. Apple Music coming soon. We love your feedback and we want to hear from you. Like, comment, and reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Grab your mug and listen to Tug next week as we talk with my friend Emily about being a female priest under 30 in Alabama. You'll hear more about the path she took to get to where she is now and the empowering and humbling experiences that happen when you connect with people who think and believe different things.